you know how you, you know how you'll say some things sometimes and it's like it's a metaphor but you don't even realize it and you just say say things like man I'm on top of the world or like hey it's good to see you uh, I mean that more over the last two weeks like really it is good to see you it is good to see you come on Concord it's good to it's good to see it's good to see you we're growing every week. I see people creeping, creeping up into the cascades. We're going, we're going to keep opening back up. And don't, don't worry, don't worry. And I know that we've still got the majority, vast majority of our online fam, whether, whether you're saying, Pastor, uh, I'm waiting until you open up kids, and that's, that's coming. We're planning our team is working hard, or whether you're uh, immune compromised, various reasons. Uh, you may be gathering in watch parties. Davidson, we welcome you, online fam. Um, it will be good to see you at some point. I still think maybe we should do something with, with Zoom or something so I can see. I know, I know you don't want me to see you because you're still in your pajamas and different things like that. But, um, but man, Concord, it's, it's good to be together. It's good to be together. Take your, take your copy of God's Word, and if you'll take that out and turn to the book of Zechariah, book of Zechariah. I love that I love that God is bringing us into this into this book because it's isn't it crazy how you can go to the Bible and even though that book was written thousands of years ago, the same things, right? Those same problems, same situations that people have dealt with for hundreds if not Thousands of years, we find ourselves dealing with that same thing today. Now, it may be, there's a lot of nuances and there's a lot of differences, but thousands of years ago, the people were, of God were coming out of quarantine. And as they were coming out of quarantine with this kind of hopeful expectation, they, they walked back into their cities to find their cities in chaos to find their kitty, find find their cities, and maybe their kitties. I don't know if their kitties were. Anybody lost a cat? Do we need to pray for anybody? Just lost a cat. Anybody want a cat? Could we make some maybe make some swabs here today? But uh, they found their their cities in, in ruin, and they found their cities in in chaos. And last week we talked about the roundabout of repentance. Y'all remember that, the, the repentance roundabout. Have you, have you found yourself having a greater awareness of roundabouts this week? Anybody, anybody get stuck in a roundabout this week? I hope not. But I was, I was talking to Pastor John, our lead location pastor at our Center City uh, location, and, and he texted me and he said that his dad was volunteering at a food ministry in Charlotte. And he said he, he engaged a roundabout and he literally uh, saw the sign on the roundabout to Prosperity Parkway. Come on, somebody. That's a Jesus moment. He said, my dad's having a, he's having a moment. And so, but that's what, you know, you can imagine, you can imagine. So here are the people of God. Um, they're a little bit nervous. Does God, has God abandoned us? Has God left us? Has God done, is God done with with America is God done with our churches? What's what's on the other side of this? Is God done with our, our, my business and all of these questions leading into this? And Zachariah says, "I got a word from the Lord," and so they're they're leaning in and they're listening because remember, God is, has they've not been in this situ, situation lately, and so they're leaning in and and maybe they're a little bit fearful. Maybe they're expecting Zachariah to say, "Hey, I've I've moved on." 
Maybe they're expecting God to say, your best days are behind you. Or maybe they're expecting Zechariah to say, you know, I'm still very disappointed with you and you have not responded well. And here's what Zechariah says, is they're staring at cities in ruin. Zechariah says, this is the word of the Lord. My cities shall again overflow with prosperity. How many of you know that's in these moments um, that we have, to, we have to see prophetically? We have to speak prophetically. If we respond, I'm telling you, if we respond to situations of what we see in the natural, then you will respond in the natural. How many of you have responded in the natural? Be honest, over these past several months. But we need to begin to see prophetically. We need to begin to speak prophetically. This is the time where the people of God need to arise with a prophetic voice and declare once again, I see God moving and God saying I have returned with mercy I will rebuild my house my city shall again overflow with prosperity and, and, and I can imagine Zechariah and the people of God saying something like this you know this isn't this isn't difficult right they've done difficult difficult was quarantine with their families for 70 years Difficult was living in Babylon for 70 years. Difficult was trying to till their gardens and plant crops in a foreign land. Like that was, that was difficult. They've done, they've done difficult. This, well, this, this was impossible. And I would say that that's kind of where we're at today. You've done difficult. You've done difficult. You've done, you've done pre-calculus in that major toward your, your uh, goals in life. That pre-calculus, I have to take it. Pre-calculus was difficult. You've done difficult. You've had that second child and realized that two is truly multiplication. And how, how can I juggle all of Like, that was difficult. You've gone through some financial hardships before. Like, you've been through difficult. Y'all, this... This is impossible. And so as they're standing there, Zechariah and Zerubbabel and Joshua and Ezra and Nehemiah and the leaders of the, the people of God. By, by the way, Ezra gives a count. I love that, I love that Ezra gives a count. There were 42,360 people staring at the ruins. You know what that means, Pastor Steve? I've come to find out in leadership that that means that there were 42,360 opinions about how they should rebuild. Come on, leaders, can you say amen? Everybody got an opinion about how we should rebuild. And opinions are important, but, but, but Zachariah said, we got, we got to hear from God. Like, we need a word from the Lord that's going to cut through the chaos. We need a word of clarity. We need a word of direction. We need a word of vision. We need a word of hope. And can I just encourage the people of God to begin responding in the supernatural? It takes no power of the Holy Spirit to respond in negativity. It takes no power of the Holy Spirit to point out problems. It takes no power of the Holy 
Holy Spirit to describe things as they are. It takes power and supernatural power of God to close your eyes and say, this is what I see. This is what God is saying. This is what we're heading toward. And so as you are facing impossibility, this is the word of the Lord. Zechariah 4, 6, again, says this, not by might. So how are we going accompli- you know, to accomplish this? Cities in destruction, my cities shall overflow with prosperity. God, how, are, how in the world, how in the world is this going to happen? And God says, not by might, not by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. And that if we're not careful, we'll quote that verse like we quote the verse in Philippians. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. We'll quote that verse, but we won't feel the weight of that verse. You know that verse that you had on your football cleats in high school? I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Like God wrote that verse to a running back so he could bust through the line, right? We take the word of God and just, you, you, know, you know, when you're on that bench press, you hadn't been in the gym in three months, and you got plates on both sides that you shouldn't have on both sides. I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. No, you can't. No, you can't. Not that. Like you may be able to do other things, but get the plates off, and then you can bench press the weight like but and we'll say things like we'll throw this verse out like not by might not by power and and that's a good verse to preach and that's a great verse to but I'm I'm wondering if we really fully understand the weight of that verse and so if you allow me to I'd like to teach you the backstory of this verse so this week when the devil comes at you again When the devil comes at you again and says your business can't be rebuilt, your marriage can't be rebuilt, your family can't be rebuilt, your kids are too far gone, you're stressed out, God's done with society, America's too far gone, and you say not by might, not by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord, it'll have a little more weight to it. I got to teach this to you. Impossible missions need supernatural power. Let me, let me ask you that. Do you have an impossible mission? I hope you do. I hope you do. I hope you have an impossible mission. I hope you have an impossible vision. I hope you have an impossible dream. I hope God is birthing things inside of you that are so big that without the supernatural power of the Holy Spirit, you will do you have a super, not, do you have an impossible dream? But the follow-up question to that is, are you filled with supernatural power? Are you going to operate in the supernatural? Well, that's great, Pastor. How do I do that? Let's, let's catch this backstory in Zechariah 4. And the angel who talked with me came to me again and woke me. Like a man who is awakened. I love that phrase. I love that phrase. I see a church that is awakened. And in fact, let me put it like this. Church, (laughs) I'm going to say this nicely. If y'all ain't awake yet, I don't know what's going to wake you up. (laughs) Hundred year pandemic, racial tension like we've not seen recently. All of, the, all of this stuff, like if you're, not a, if you're not awake yet, 
I don't know what it's going to take to wake you up, but I see a church that is awakened. And can I tell you, a people of God who are awakened is a dangerous thing to the kingdom of darkness. Like, like what, watch out, daddy's up. Watch out, mama, mama bear just got roused up from her, from her sleep. The church is awakened. And then he said to me, what do you see? What do you see? That's, that's an important question too, isn't it? What do you see? What do you, what do you see? So Zachariah said this, well, uh, I, see, I see a lampstand of all gold with a bowl on top of it and seven lamps on that. With seven lips on each one of the lamps that are on top of it. And there are two olive trees by that. One on the right of the bowl and the other on the left. And I said to the angel who talked with me, what are these, my Lord? Then the angel that talked with me answered and said to me, do you not know what these are? And I said, no, I don't have a clue. <laughs> you, ever, you ever had a conversation like this with, with God? Like God's asking you questions and like you should know the answer. I don't have a clue. God, what are you doing? I don't know, God. Why don't you tell me? What are you up to? God, can you show me a picture? All right, I'll show you a picture. God's saying, do you know what picture I showed you? God, I don't have a, I don't have a clue. It's okay. Like, if this, is your pra- if this represents your prayer life, you just got to know you're in a good place. If you have more questions than answers right now, can I preach this to somebody that has more questions than answers, and the Holy Spirit wants you to know that you're in a good place? The Holy Spirit wants you to know to lean into those questions. Don't avoid the questions. Lean into the questions because I see the Holy Spirit working in you in the midst of your questions. I see the Holy Spirit working in you in the midst of your frustration when you feel like you don't understand what God is up to. I'm preaching to somebody something that wasn't in my notes, somebody that's listening right now, and you are so confused, you're so frustrated, Frustrated, God, I don't know what you're up to. I thought I understood, but the more things you show me, the more confused I'm getting. This is exactly where I'm prophesying to somebody. The more that God is showing you, the more confused you're getting. Now is not the time to run. Now is the time to lean in. And God is about to show you revelation in the name of Jesus. So he, so he says, the angel who talked with me answered and said, Do you not know what these are? No. No, my Lord. And then he said to me, then he said to me, this is the word of the Lord to Zerubbabel, not by might, not by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. You're about to understand this on a deeper level than you've understood it before. You've got to understand about the lampstands. You've got to understand about the bowl and the oil and the olive trees. Not by mind, not by power, not by my spirit. You've got to understand about the lampstand and the bowl and the oil and the olive trees. So the lampstands, this is, this is not super cryptic. So we have to let the Bible interpret itself. So when you come across something in the Bible, you got to go to the Bible. You don't go to Webster's Dictionary, what's a lampstand? No, you go to the Bible and ask, how are lampstands used in the Bible? So the book of Zechariah is connected to the book of Revelation. So you go to the book of Revelation, and uh, it's 120, and it says just very clearly that the seven lampstands are the seven churches. Okay, so the lampstand is the church. Say, that's me. Everybody say, that's me. That's me. Right? We're learning, we're learning more than ever. 
that the church is not, not a building. Everybody in a watch party says, that's me. Everybody sitting on their couch right now says, that's me. You're still, you're still the church, family of God. And don't let the enemy, listen, don't let the enemy distract you right now because you got things that you got to go on and you're thinking about lunch that you got to prepare in your kitchen. The enemy's trying to distract you, but you got to lock in. You got you to gotta focus. Get that iPad in front of the kids. Pull up Pastor Ryan's service because the, the, the word of the Lord, the God, God has a word you we've got to realize that we're, we're the church so we're the lampstands so the lampstands are fueled by oil oil is the holy spirit right so you've got the people of god that are fueled by the oil of the holy spirit now i want i want you to notice what's not there because as Zechariah is reading this to Zerubbabel and to Joshua and to Ezra and to Nehemiah, so there's priests. Joshua was a, a, a priest and Ezra was a priest. So Ezra, you got to re, read it through their eyes, right? Ezra would say, wait a second, Zechariah, you missed something in that vision. I want, you, I want you to see this. Because in the Old Testament, remember, they're still in the Old Testament. In the Old Testament, the oil didn't just show up in the bowl. The priest had to bring the oil. That was part of their job. The priest would go into the temple. The priest would trim, trim the wicks. Oh, and by the way, there's, a, there's another little nuance. Before this, all of the seven uh, uh, lampstands, they were separate. Now they're together. Almost saying like God, almost seeming like God is saying, I'm bringing my church together. I'm, I'm bringing my church together. See, how can you know what God is up to? You look at what the enemy is attacking, and what the enemy is attacking, that's what God is trying to do. What is the enemy trying to do in the midst of global pandemic and racial tension? He's trying to divide. He's trying to divide. He's trying to divide races. He's trying to divide nations. He's trying to divide political parties. He's trying to divide socioeconomic groups. And he's trying to divide your family. And I know that because the enemy is at work trying to bring division, then that must mean that the Spirit of God is working behind the scenes trying to bring unity to his church like never before. That's what God is doing. I see God bringing unity more. 42,360 opinions. How do you lead a people with 42,360 opinions? You say something like this. I got one leader. I got one leader and he's he was on a cross but he's not anymore and I follow him and I believe him and I'm going to look to him and I'm thankful for other leaders but I'm following Jesus and church the more you follow Jesus the more he's going to bring us to together I see God bringing his church together but then Ezra would say well where's where's the priests where's the priests and it's this prophetic picture it's a prophetic picture of the New Testament church. Somebody's got to hear me that you are not dependent on somebody else for the supply of your oil. You can go directly to the Father to get your own oil. That word in there, the anointed ones, it means this. I love this. It means sons and daughters of new oil. Sons and daughters of new oil. 
you know what I see when I look out upon this church? I see a unified church. I see a church that's rallying around the gospel. I see a church that is not dependent on somebody else to supply your oil or your, let me give, let me interpret that for you in case you think I'm speaking in tongues. You, you don't need somebody to, to provide your oil or, or Somebody was listening to me, and they're like, what's pastor talking about? I'm, talk- I'm preaching about oil. You're oil. Come on, say, I got my own oil. You're in charge. Hey, hey, you're in charge of your oil. You're in charge of your oil. Pastor Adam's not in charge of my oil. The oil flows through him. But whether I get something in worship isn't dependent upon what song they sing. I'm in charge of my oil. I hope pastor brings a good word, but if he's off of his game, then the anointing and the power of God that I walk in this week is not dependent on how good pastor preaches. I got my own oil. I got a source. I got a source. What God is doing in his church is he is connecting the people of God to the source of the oil, which is the power of the Holy Spirit. And I got real good news for you. That source, that source doesn't run dry. So we've got the lampstands or the church and the oil is the Holy Spirit that is filled with the bowls, no longer dependent on the priest, but dependent on a direct connection. So then we have to ask ourselves, well, where does the oil come from? And what about those two olive trees? I'm glad you asked. We got to keep reading. So let's go down here to verse 11. So then I ask the angel, you've got this continued conversation between uh between Zechariah and the Lord through, through the intermediate uh, 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 person of the angel here. So then I asked the angel, what are these two olive trees on each side of the lampstand? And what are these two olive branches that pour out golden oil through two gold tubes? So you got the picture? The church, the people of God are continually being supplied with oil from the power of the Holy Spirit So if you know now, if you know what those two olive trees represent, you know not only where your power comes from, but what kind of power you have. How many of you want to know? Like, I want to know not by my, not by power, but by my spirit. That's awesome. You got the spirit of God. You got the spirit of God. How many of you would like to know what that means? What that means. All right, let's keep going. Here we go again. Don't you know, he asks, no, my Lord. Like on a, on a, he has failed the test, y'all. He has straight up failed the exam. He's got to repeat seventh grade all over again. <laughs> aren't, you, aren't you thankful that even when you fail in Jesus, you advance? Oh, my goodness. Come on, somebody. <laughs> Nobody else in my life treats me like Jesus. Like when I, usually when I fail with anybody else, like if I fail, if I fail somebody, they demote me. If I fail, they don't trust me. With Jesus, when I fail, he still advances me. 
When you failed this week, God saw your heart. He saw you trying. He saw you keep going. And I see God continually advancing you despite your failures. Somebody got to give God praise for that. Give God praise for his grace in your, in your life. <laughs> Don't you know? Nah. Then he said to me, well, they represent the two anointed ones who stand in the court of the Lord over all of the earth. So again, Zechariah ties to the book of Revelation. Um, who are the, you heard of the two witnesses? Anybody heard of the two witnesses in the book of Revelation? So this is speaking prophetically of those two witnesses in the book of Revelation. Well, who are they in the book of Revelation? I have no idea. That's why I have Pastor Steve and Pastor Gwen, and they're going to explain that to you on Wednesday night as part of Deeper. And then they're going to tell you about the rapture and the tribulation. They're going to explain it all because they understand it all. I don't, I don't but, they, but they do. So, so y'all tune in for Deeper as we're going through the book of Revelation. So I'm not sure, just to be honest with you, like I studied, I looked, I'm not exact. I know, I know you have a lot of theories, um, but I could probably debunk all of your theories on who those witnesses are when it comes to the book of Revelation. I know who they are in this book because you just got to read it. It just, it's very plain. It's Zerubbabel and Joshua. So you read it in context. Who's he talking about? He's talking about Zerubbabel and Joshua. So I want you to think not just Zerubbabel and Joshua. I want you to think now, okay, what does, what does Zerubbabel represent? What does Joshua represent? Well, Zerubbabel, I got good news for you. You're going you're gonna to love who Zerubbabel is. Zerubbabel has royalty in his blood. Zerubbabel comes from the, the lineage of King David. And so there's a royal, there's royalty. So one of those olive trees that's flowing into the bowl that is fueling your anointing because you have direct access to the power of the Holy Spirit, you have a royal anointing flowing to you. And then the other one uh, uh, is Joshua, and Joshua is a priest. And the priest represents the spiritual anointing. So not by might, not by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. What does that mean for you. Let me read this in a newer translation. Uh, this is the Witherup translation that is true to the text. So to the people of God, emerging from quarantine, facing cities that are in chaos and ruin, giving the impossible prophetic task of rebuilding their society to overflow with prosperity, God says, I know this is a run-on sentence. Don't judge me for my grammar. Just judge my theology. God says, in answer to how are we going to accomplish this, not by might, not by power, but by being sons and daughters of new oil who operate in their royal authority. That's what... And authority twice, just because I must have got real excited there. You got a double. You got, say, I got double. I got double. You got royal authority. You got royal authority flowing through your veins. You have spiritual authority flowing through your veins. And I just think that maybe is now, now is the time for the people of God not to 
shrink back. Hello? Not to shrink back. God didn't bring you to this moment in your life to shrink back in fear. He brought you to this moment so that you can rise up in faith with a royal anointing and spiritual authority in the name of Jesus. Come on, somebody give God praise. Here we go. I'm not going to get political, but I'm going to get real political. (laughs) But I'm going to disappoint you, though. (laughs) I'm going to make everybody mad, and I'm going to disappoint everybody. But but I'm going to approach it from a different standpoint, okay? Y'all right with that? At least smile and nod at me. Here's what we need. Here's what we need. Regardless of of what color you vote, regardless of what animal you vote, regardless of all of that. How many of you would say, this stuff is messed up? Come on. This stuff, this system is messed up. I don't know all that we need, but I'm telling you what we need. We need spirit-empowered tongue-talking, blood-of-Jesus-believing people of God to rise up and step in and be our politicians. I want my senator on his knees or her knees at an altar crying out to God. And listen, I'm just going to be kind of real. We're mad. Everybody, Everybody's mad at the political state of our nation. Maybe it's because the church abandoned the political realm for 40 years but we got an answer I'm telling you let me can I preach to some millennials can I preach to Gen Z can I preach to you guys who just who just at at our uh we had in Cabarrus County we had graduation yesterday and I see see a graduate out there they're driving around the the speedway track like 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 Dale like Dale Jr. like Jeff Gordon like like Lake Speed. They're driving around, they're driving around the, the track. And they, they hit that finish line. But it wasn't the finish line. It was the starting point. It was the starting point. What if we had a generation of spirit-empowered people that began to operate in their royal authority? I honestly believe with all of my heart, there's somebody in high school, there's somebody in college that's listening that God is calling you into politics. He's calling you to be a senator. He's calling you to be a governor. Maybe there's a businessman right now that God is calling you to run for city council. He's calling you to run for mayor. He's calling you to step into this arena and I say go for it because you have royal authority and just imagine in 10 years what if we overtook the governing bodies not as Republicans or Democrats but what if we overtook governing bodies with people that love Jesus like crazy would that change things say yes I think of you heard me mention a a couple weeks ago William Wilberforce I think of people like William Wilberforce, who at 12 years old heard a preacher, a revivalist preacher uh, named George Whitfield. So um, Wilberforce was raised in like the the staunchy uh, church at that time of of England, and and he was doing kind of his religious duty. But he he got exposed to to Whitfield. Um, Can I say to grandparents and aunts and uncles and parents, Don't you dare underestimate the power 
of the preaching that you're exposing your young people to. When you send them to a youth camp, when you send them to, to remix, when you send them to, to youth on Wednesday night and they sit under powerful anointed preaching and something began to happen, something began to happen in William Wilberforce's life when he was 12. Well, his mama didn't like it. He was living with his aunt and uncle at the time and his mama didn't like it, so she yanked him away. So he went through the rest of high school, and he had had that experience. I don't know if it was necessarily a, a conversion, but his spirit was stirred. And he had that experience, and he walked through his later teen years and his early 20s. And, and he was just, he was living the 20-something life. He was, he was socializing. He was out playing cards. He was drinking too much. He was doing all of these things. But at 26 years old, the deposit the deposit that was in him at 12, come on, a parent's going to hear this, the deposit that was in him hearing the word of God at 12 began to come alive in him at 26. And he started getting up early and he started getting into the word of God. And he started, he, st he has this radical conversion to Jesus at 26. And as a spirit-filled believer, now he goes back to parliament. He's one of the youngest, most influential people in the British parliament at this time. And he says this, God, my life, my life to you can't be limited to, to my devotional life. I got to do something. And he looks out and he sees slavery, this institution of slavery that had been ingrained, ingrained in the world for hundreds of years. And he sees the evil and he sees all of these things that go back for generations. And he says, God is calling me to dismantle. He's calling me to dismantle the demonic past and lead people into a hope filled future and this spirit filled Jesus loving politician changed the nation I wonder if there's some more William Wilberforces out there can you believe for that church and you know what I, I, so I talked to you about not just William Wilberforce but I, but I mentioned John Newton remember John Newton wrote Amazing Grace former slave uh, trade runnership runner. He mentors William Wilberforce. So don't underestimate the power of mentoring the next generation. Can I preach this to some youth leaders that are like, man, I haven't done anything. I'm ready to, to get back to some, to some group leaders and all of this. Don't underestimate the power, teachers, coaches, parents, don't underestimate the power. I'm believing that God is going to raise up spirit-filled. You know, there's, we've got, I mean, see, see Pastor Kevin. Southeastern University has a major in political science. We can, get you, we can get you to connect to that so you walk out, so you step into Raleigh or you step into state government or local government and you are stepping in as somebody that has been educated by spirit-filled professors that love Jesus and are going to fuel, I'm telling you, we could change. We, this thing can change. Do you believe that? This thing, this thing can change. Let me say one, uh, one more word about uh, the racial situations and our responses as a people of God, and specifically as CFA and the Multiply family. And then, and I'm, I'm, and then God's going to show you something that's going to be really cool. Um, I view, let me just say this, I view our response, I'm not judging anybody else's response, but what I really feel like the Lord 
spoke to me for us is that we're, we're in this for the long haul. The, the tortoise wins every time, okay? So, so we want to be methodical and we want to be purposeful in bringing lasting change to our community. So would you pray for us this week? Our team is getting together. We're listening. We really are listening and we are trying to lean into the Holy Spirit and trying to lean into our community. And the Lord has begun to speak to us about a week of healing and hope. A week of healing and hope that only Jesus can bring healing to our past and only Jesus can bring healing to our future. And I believe that through multiple arenas, not just on Sundays, but some things that we're going to introduce and some initiatives that we're going to introduce throughout that week, the Lord is going to use that to bring some change in our community. Can you say amen? Would you pray for us as we uh, do that this week? And then, and then here's the final thing, and, and I'm, I'm wrapping this, wrapping this up. We have royal authority. You, you have royal authority running through your veins. You also have spiritual authority. And so, and so as I thought, I had a thought um, in mine and, God, my, my and God's conversation went like this yesterday as I was kind of uh, wrapping this up. I said, I said, God, how can I teach your people that they have spiritual authority and this and this is what I really felt like the Lord said I'm just going to show them he said I'm just going to show them the Lord wants to show you your spiritual authority so I got one more verse that I'm going to read to you I skipped over a verse, and it's verse 7. And it says this. Who are, you, who are you, O great mountain? How many of you have a mountain? You got a mountain? You got a bad doctor's report? You got some fear? You got some anxiety? You got some uncertainty about your future? Come on, I want you, here's what I want you to do. I want, you to, I want you to name your mountain. Go ahead and name your mountain. What's the, biggest, what's the biggest obstacle that the devil's trying to beat you up with right now? The mountain of COVID, the mountain of fear, the mountain of racial tension. Come on, would you just, would you just close your eyes all, all across, not only Concord, Davidson, would you close your, close your eyes? Those of you joining online, would you close your eyes? I want you to name your mountain. I want you to get that, I want you to get that in front of you. And it says this, this is what the word of God says. Who are you? Who do you think you are? Mountain? Who do you think you are? COVID coming against the people of God. Who do you think you are? Disunity coming against my family. Who do you think you are, fear? Who do you think you are, anxiety? Who are you, oh great mountain? This is the word of the Lord. Before Zerubbabel, you shall become a plain. You shall become a plain. And so how is this going to happen? 
because that mountain seems so real that mountain seems so large that mountain seems so luminous that mountain has a voice that mountain is trying to speak to you I want you to understand this with more weight than you've understood this before I want you to understand God's answer with a greater depth than you've understood it before as your mountain is staring at you right now now this is the word of the Lord how is it going to become a plane not by your might not by your power but by the Holy Spirit says the Lord
Let me, let me tell you two more things. This is, this is real important. Because when God says, not by mind, not by power, but by my spirit, now you know what kind of authority that you walk in because you read the verses before that. I walk in a royal authority. Devil, you need to know that. I walk in royal authority. And my king has his foot on your throat. So I'm not trying to hear you, devil. I walk in royal authority. And I walk in spiritual authority. When I sing, it shifts the atmosphere. When I pray, it goes directly to heaven. When I prophesy, it changes things around me. I walk in a royal authority. Come on, you need to, come on, go ahead. I've been, I've been teaching my kids. I've been teaching my kids, don't slouch. Don't slouch. I feel like I need to tell somebody, don't slouch. Come on, shoulders up shoulders up that you're going to walk like a queen. You're going to walk like a king. You're going to carry yourself differently. You're not going to shuffle your feet. Your head's not down. You got royal authority in your blood. You're going to walk higher. You're going to walk different. You're going to speak differently in the name of Jesus. Not by might. Not by might. Not by might. Not by might. But by his spirit. I need somebody to I got a greater expectation. I got a greater expectation. But now if I know these two things that come after, you're going to understand the, the how. You're going to understand the how. Real quickly, two, two more things. So the mountain, you got your mountain, right? Not by might, not by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. And then the word of the Lord says this. And he shall bring forward the top stone amidst shouts shouts y'all how many of you notice people are shouting <laughs> they shouting all kinds of things they're shouting just to shout they're shouting they're shouting we got a we got a shouting society shouting and it could be fueled by all kinds of things shouting anger shouting frustration shouting like shout here's here's where you're different you have you have a different, I'm about to preach to somebody that you got a different shout. You got a different shout. When you shout, when the world shouts, it brings aggravation. When the world shouts, it brings confusion. When the world shouts, it brings disunity. But oh my goodness, when the people of God shout, when the people of God shout, you know what your shout looks like? Here's what it says. It gives you the words. Amid shouts of grace. 
grace. Anybody think that our world could use some grace? Your shout is going to be heard, not because of the volume, but because your message looks different than the message of this world. When everybody else is shouting anger, you shout grace. When everybody else is shouting confusion, you shout grace. You walk in grace. You walk in peace. I see, I see grace on you. I see your eyes being gracious. I see your smile being gracious. I see you walking in grace, loving in grace. Grace wins. Grace wins. Grace wins. Grace wins. Grace wins. Grace wins. Love wins every single time. Grace wins over hate. Grace wins over anger. Grace wins over rebellion. Grace wins over anything that you're facing right here. Grace wins it wins and then the final verse is this my iPad reset and went all the way back to the top and I know I know you got some time but I know you don't want me to preach the whole sermon over again so let me just scroll here's the final thing so you got your mountain in front of you how is God going to do this? Not by might, not by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. By shouting grace, shouting grace. An army marching with grace. I see the church marching with grace, marching in unity. And then God says this. Don't despise the day of small beginnings. Don't despise the day of small beginnings. This is the final thing. The Lord wanted me to tell somebody this. Your mountain is huge. You've been facing this mountain a long time. And you're going to walk out of this service. And the devil's going to lie to you. And the devil's going to say, see, you shouted. And it didn't make a difference. But in this context, how did the mountain move? In this story, how did the mountain move? It was one stone at a time. It was one stone at a time. And the Lord told me to tell somebody, don't you dare discount your miracle because it's going to come one stone at a time one stone at a time one conversation at a time one prayer at a time one shout of grace at a time a mountain can become a plane overnight or it can become a plane one stone at a time lift your hands in this place people of God father I bless your people right now to have a shout of grace when somebody tries to argue with them this week they're going to have a shout of grace when somebody tries to come against them when the devil tries to mess with them they're going to have a shout of grace and we're going to take down mountains one stone at a time in the name of Jesus come on people of God give them one shout Give him one shout of grace. Three.
heads bowed, eyes closed. Pastor has delivered a phenomenal message, not by might, not by power, but by my spirit. God's spirit has come to breathe his breath of life into you. It flows by his breath, by his words. And can I tell you that he breathed his last breath for you so that you could breathe your first breath for the kingdom of God. On Calvary's hill, when he said, it is finished, he did it for you and breathed that breath all over you. If you came in here today, you're living but not alive, you're going through the motions and not awake, and you want the spirit of God to breathe his breath of life upon you, whether you're watching online or in this room listening, if you would simply just lift your hand by a sign unto heaven, if you would like to receive that breath of life right now, here and now, whether you're watching online or in the room, say this prayer out loud together. Jesus, breathe your breath of life into me so I can become wide awake to the love of God and fully alive to my purpose in Jesus' name. And the church said, come on, church. Can we rejoice with somebody today? Come on.